This is Unexpected with Hannah Love. In this podcast, you will gain a new perspective of how God loves you enough to call you to things that you couldn't have imagined for yourself. I'll be honest, I get sucked into rabbit holes sometimes online. The algorithm knows me too well. I pick up on parenting reels and funnies, but I have to say, some of them really do have such convicting messages. Sometimes we all just need an encouragement, right? Or advice, or simply to feel like we aren't alone. Well, one of the reels that I saw the other day was talking about how their house rule was... Nobody got in trouble for telling the truth. And I wrestled with this initially because kids really do need to know when they've messed up. However, after mulling it over for a bit, I realized the overarching message of the reel was this. The security of the relationship between child and parent goes before the consequence of the action. That's not to say that there shouldn't be a consequence. Of course, there will always be a natural consequence to an action. It went on to say that as long as the child acknowledged the mistake, took responsibility, and kept the line of communication open with the parent, that was the more important takeaway. After all, some mistakes do need mature counsel, and I would much rather my children come to me seeking advice than go to the world and maybe worse, maybe even try to hide their mistakes. Over the years, I've come to realize any lesson we learn from parenting can be viewed through the lens of God. After all, He is our Heavenly Father, and we are His children. So if we want the best for our children, then how much more does God love us and want the best for us? The same principles apply. God wants us to come to Him with our mistakes. He wants all of our mess-ups and weaknesses. See, if we take it to Him first, there is redemption. Yes, there will always be natural consequences, but when you take it to God first, you take away the world's ability to turn those moments into shame or guilt or threat of revealing the truth. You take away the world's ability to keep feeding lies about who you think you are, now a failure unworthy, lies. The truth of the world will always be ugly, but the truth in God's hands will be beautiful in the light of redemption. God doesn't speak ill of His children. God already knows the truth, and He has already done the work to set us free from it. The truth will set you free. This is where redemption is born, born from the grace of God to forgive. His son, Jesus, paid the price to redeem our stories and ultimately our lives. Redemption was what God had for David's life as well. In the wake of serious sin, he was forgiven, though there was still a price to be paid. In the last episode, we mentioned the curse that the sword would never depart from David's house. And God said, out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity on you. The many chapters that follow depict a series of events that unfold in the house of David. His sons turn against him and against each other. There is scheming and corruption. David flees his own son Absalom. There is bloodshed and grief. Eventually, however, David returns to Jerusalem after running from the chaos of his household. This is where we pick up. 
1 Kings 1. I'll summarize what happens in verses 1 through 40. King David grew old. At this time, Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, puffed himself up, saying, I'm the next king. He made quite a splash with chariots and riders and fifty men to run ahead of him. His father had spoiled him rotten as a child, never once reprimanding him. Besides that, he was very good-looking and the next in line after Absalom. However, David's most trusted in the household did not give Adonijah their support. When they found out what was happening, while a coronation feast was being thrown for him, Nathan the prophet went to Bathsheba, Solomon's mother. He said, Did you know that Adonijah, Haggath's son, is taken over as king, and our master David doesn't know a thing about it? Quickly now, let me tell you how you can save both your own life and Solomon's. Go immediately to King David. Speak up. Didn't you, my master the king, promise me your son Solomon will be king after me and sit on my throne? So why is Adonijah now king? While you're there talking with the king, I'll come in and corroborate the story. Bathsheba went at once to the king in the palace bedroom. He was so old. Abishag was at his side, making him comfortable. As Bathsheba bowed low, honoring the king, he said, What do you want? My master, she said, you promised me in God's name. Your son Solomon will be king after me and sit on my throne. And now look what's happened. Adonijah has taken over as king, and my master the king doesn't even know it. He has thrown a huge coronation feast, cattle and grain-fed heifers and sheep, inviting all the king's sons, the priest Abathar and Joab, head of the army. But your servant Solomon was not invited. My master the king, every eye in Israel is watching you to see what you'll do, to see who will sit on the throne of my master the king after him. If you fail to act, the moment you're buried, my son Solomon and I are as good as dead. Abruptly, while she was telling the king all this, Nathan the prophet came in and was announced. Nathan the prophet is here. He came before the king, honoring him by bowing down, his face touching the ground. My master, the king, Nathan began, did you say Adonijah shall be king after me and sit on my throne? Because that's what's happening. He's thrown a huge coronation feast, cattle, grain-fed heifers, sheep, inviting all the king's sons the army officers, and Abathar, the priest. They're having a grand time, eating and drinking and shouting, Long live King Adonijah! But I wasn't invited, nor the priest Zodak, nor Benaniah, son of Jehodad, nor your servant Solomon. Is this something that my master the king has done behind our backs, not telling your servants who you intended to be king after you? King David took action. Get Bathsheba back in here. She entered and stood before the king. The king solemnly promised, As God lives, the God who delivered me from every kind of trouble, I'll do exactly what I promised in God's name, the God of Israel. Your son Solomon will be king after me and take my place on the throne, and I'll make sure it happens this very day. Bathsheba bowed low, her face to the ground. Kneeling in reverence before the king, she said, Oh, may my master King David live forever. Hi guys, the holidays are fast approaching and I don't know about you, but I've started thinking about my shopping and what better gift to give than the word of God. Have you ever heard of journal the word Bible? 
I have, and in fact, I have some, and I've already started gifting them to family and friends. They are wonderful Bibles with margin in the lines for you to write your own notes. So you don't have to mark up the pages. You can if you want to. But with these margins, you can write as much as you want. You can doodle as much as you want. With any revelation that God gives you, there are versions for men and women and teens and even reference editions. I love the Journal of the Word Bibles. If you guys haven't checked them out, definitely do so at your local Christian bookstore or journaltheword.com. And now, back to our show. I mean, David's life is exciting up to the very end. Despite the turmoil and infighting within the house of King David, God is still faithful to keep His promises. Despite his mistakes, God redeemed him and his story. 2 Samuel 7 details all that God promised to David, including this, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple, for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. Not only does God go on to allow Solomon to establish and rule a strong kingdom, but he will also allow him to be the one who built God's temple. Furthermore, it is through Solomon that Jesus comes, the very same Jesus who will return again to establish his kingdom here on earth forever. What a legacy! Isn't that something? That God can take a man who came from such humble beginnings, who strayed into sin and committed murder and adultery, that God could choose such a man and make him part of the lineage of Jesus? That is such a picture of redemption. Reclaimed, rescued, saved, or delivered. Those are all words for one who is redeemed. And that's exactly what David was. Not only David, but truly all of mankind. It is through Jesus that we are all offered salvation. David's life went from being anointed and being prepared to running and then being appointed. He then fell from grace and ultimately he was redeemed. It is a story arc that can look a lot like our own lives. In great detail, David's life is documented. We can learn so much from it. We can see why heart posture is important, but most amazingly, we can see what redemption is offered by our good, good Father. He has that for anyone who asks for it. Today, I pray you'll be encouraged by the life of David, by the highs and lows, by the twists and turns and the unexpected. Today, I pray you'll remember God sees your heart. He knows the road you're on. He offers redemption for the falls, and He offers blessing for the moments you say yes to Him. Thank you for following along as we read through the life of David. There were many more lessons and stories that we didn't cover, but I want to encourage you to go back and read the first and second books of Samuel for yourself, maybe even with a group of others who want to study his life. I promise you won't regret it if you do. I hope that this series has blessed you as much as it's blessed me to write it. I love you guys. Have the best week.
Thank you so much for listening today. If this episode has encouraged you, please feel free to share the show with your family and friends. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world today, and my hope is that this show is a candle in the dark.